they're reaching out for help from us because they don't have family to help or their family doesn't have the resources to help. So it's not just about building houses and it's not just about repairing houses. It's about the people. Welcome to Better Together with Kosti Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costa Yepafonsev. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Casey Clark Jackson, Director of Development and Communications for the Upper Cumberland Habitat for Humanity. Also, Casey is the Director of Cooking on the Square 2021. Today, we're talking about building hope and celebrating 25 years of Habitat for Humanity's Cooking on the Square. So for anybody that's unfamiliar with Habitat for Humanity, what resources do you guys provide? We are all about affordable housing, and that is in every aspect of what we do. So the main thing that people know us for is building new houses for those in need. Many people have the misconception that they are free houses. They are not free houses. Our partner families go through a whole process. They have to be approved. They have to have a source of income and they have to do over 300 hours of sweat equity. And then it takes a year to a year and a half to go through our full program. And then after that, they get to purchase a home through us, usually through a 0% interest rate that allows them to have an affordable mortgage for the next 30 or so years. And affordable means that they will not spend more than 30% of their monthly income on their mortgage, which is kind of unheard of That's nowadays. incredible. Yes. Because affordable housing is just a huge problem right yes. now in the United States. Yeah, especially in the last couple of years in this area, housing prices have just skyrocketed and there are no starter homes anymore. And so even with us trying to build new homes, a lot of times it costs more for us to build it than we can even even charge for it right now because lumber prices are so high and things like that. So that's one of the programs that we have. And then the other one is we do senior home repair. So we partner with local social workers and agencies who will refer senior homeowners to us from Overton and Putnam counties. These are people who maybe need accessibility improvements to their home. Maybe they need a wheelchair ramp or grab bars in their bathroom, or maybe they need a walk-in shower. We also do weatherization improvements so we can install an HVAC system or put a new roof on their house. And these are all things that are so desperately needed in this area. Mm -hmm. We don't do aesthetic improvements. We just do things that will allow them to age in place and keep them, one, from getting injured in their home and two, from being forced into a retirement home or nursing home facility or being forced to move in with family. Uh, This allows them to stay in their home even longer, which is great. Casey, you are speaking my language here (laughs) uh, because that is something that we have done for a very long time statewide through uh, Medicaid, through 10CARES yes. uh, minor home modification program. And so we provide the wheelchair ramps and and walk-in showers, grab bars, door widenings, things like that, uh, so people can age in place. So the fact that Habitat is working on those types of functions is incredible because I can tell you that the most common injuries happen in the shower. Yes. Uh, and they are debilitating injuries. And so getting somebody, even some 
something as simple as a tub cut, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't have to spend $5,000 on a walk-in shower. You could literally buy a kit and it's only like $1,200, sometimes even less, especially if you can do it yourself. And you cut a portion of the bathtub out mm-hmm. and you just put kind of an acrylic piece down over it and bond it to create a waterproof barrier. And then people now can step into their shower without having to go over that big transition right. piece. And have to risk breaking a hip because, right. I mean, broken hip can be debilitating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It starts, it's a cascading effect. So once they suffer that type of an injury, then it leads to another injury and then they have an unsteady gait and et cetera. So anyway, we're not going to talk about disability the whole episode. <laughs> right. We're going to talk about Habitat for Humanity and Cooking on the Square. Yes. Um, I do want to ask, what's it like finding people right now to build homes? Uh, because like you said, the reason why we don't have any starter homes is because given the 2008 recession, a lot of contractors that used to build big 500 um, home developments, they essentially lost everything once the recession hit. So they're like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're only going to build homes that cost 500,000 plus because that's where the profit margin is. So what's it like finding contractors to build $200,000 homes? It is a challenge to say the least. We normally in pre-COVID world, we could build a house in eight to 10 weeks. Uh, The last house took us eight months. And that's because we couldn't find windows. We couldn't find subcontractors because we do subcontract certain things out, the roof, concrete work, things like that. We bring in subcontractors for that and we couldn't find any. So now we're having to plan ahead a little bit more than we normally would. We've already ordered windows for the, I think the third house out that, you know, we haven't even started the process yet, but we already ordered windows. And so that has definitely had a huge impact on what we're doing. And we have sort of a list of subcontractors that we generally use. They are big supporters. So they give us in-kind help. They do a lot of things for free, which is incredible. But they're just, everybody's just so backed up right now that we just, we have to plan way ahead right now. But that's okay. We'll get it done. So Casey, tell me about your positions at Habitat. So I'm the director of development and communications, which means I'm in charge of fundraising. Okay. Um, It's my job to get the money so that construction can spend the money. We have two major ways that we get money. The first one is the Habitat Restore. That's what we consider our number one fundraiser. So we take donated items from the community, both residential and commercial. We resell them in our thrift store and all of that money goes into Habitat here locally. Along with that, I partner and do all the rest of the fundraising. So that is through special events and also through monthly givers, which we call hope builders and individual donors, which is a huge part of what we do. So with the community events, you are officially in charge for the first time with Cooking on the Square. I mean, how are you excited? Are you nervous? What's the sentiment right now? You know, it's interesting when people have interviewed for this position before, that's the first thing that is brought up is you do realize that you are in charge of Cooking on the Square. I need you to really fully grasp what that means before you take this job. Thankfully, I had helped with Cooking on the Square for a few years before, so I kind of knew how big it was. And the best part is, honestly, it's a bit of a breeze just because I have an amazing group of volunteers that are the Cooking on the Square committee. Without people like Casey Overstreet and Amanda Selby, this event would not happen. Because at this point, 25 years in, it's a bit of a well-oiled machine, but you still have to have those cogs in place. And these are the people that when I came in and said, okay, 
okay, tell me what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. They sat down and and had a whole list and was ready to go and just, okay, this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to do it. So without them, this event would not happen. How much does Cooking on the Square contribute to Habitat's bottom line? The last year that we had the event, we raised over $90,000. Wow. Last year, when we didn't have the event, we were still just blown out of the water by the level of support in this area. We did something called Coffee Off the Square, and it was basically just a drive through event, and Soulcraft Coffee offered their services, and Great Harvest Bread offered King Cake, and somehow we still raised $60,000. Wow. That's great. Yes. Just incredible. You know, I was at the Habitat for Humanity event that you guys had yes. at the chamber. Dream Builders Lunch. Yep. Yes. Seeing people that are starting their lives, uh, housing and shelter. I don't know how this happened because growing up, I mean, yes, it was important, but I didn't expect uh, to never be without like housing and shelter. Yes. And now when you look at society, it's like so many people don't have a place to live. And especially these are like new families that are starting out that have young kids and they can't find affordable housing. And I think to myself, there's got to be some type of solution and Habitat is one of those solutions where you provide people affordable housing. I mean, seriously, out of the, you know, Manslow's pyramid of needs, you know, you're right there, probably one of the most foundational programs uh, for people's long-term success. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the statistics, they've done so much research on this and children who grow up in a home where the family owns the house, they're 100% more likely to graduate from high school. Owning a home means you're building wealth in your family, right. not just your generation, but generations to come because you have that home equity set right. up. You have that stability there that was not there before. I hear so many stories from families that we work with about how they are so frustrated with where they live because all they can afford is this tiny apartment or this place, this house or this trailer where it's falling down around them. The landlord won't do anything about it. They have no control. And so you have that level of independence and, and control when you own the house. Yes, the house can still have issues, but you are able to do something about Correct. it. You're not at the whim of someone else. And if you need to fix things, you can borrow against it because you have right. equity, things like that. And also, if you see like the way that housing prices are appreciating now, that contributes to your wealth and you can borrow against that increase in pricing to be able to make repairs. I'll tell you, I've always been curious about why we find ourselves in the predicaments that we're in now and thinking about sort of since 2008 and people dropping off and contractors being less and less prevalent in our society in terms of professions. The companies that build cookie cutter neighborhoods, because I, Jessica and I, when we lived in Nashville, we lived in Bellevue right off the interstate and in one of the neighborhoods that was built by uh, Jones Brothers. And so, you know, we're talking, you know, you have four models to choose from and you pick one and they'll build it for you in two months. And, you know, it's a starter home. It's fantastic, though. I loved it. Those types of companies like Drees and Dr. Hortons, they won't come into a community unless they get subsidized. So in the same way that a factory has to, you know, get subsidization to be able to do business in a community, it's the same exact thing for those massive housing developments. I will say that I've talked to the Chamber of Commerce and that's something that they are wanting to invest in. And they are now kind of giving the green light for big housing developments to say, okay, we'll cover the utilities and we'll cover X, Y, and Z while you're building this to sewage or whatever. And you guys come in and build the 500 home developments. So I believe personally that we are going to see a massive transformation in terms of our housing situation here in the Upper Cumberland. And more importantly, Habitat will finally be able to target specific individuals instead of literally the entire community that needs affordable housing. With Cooking on the Square, how did it get started? Because 
because it's been around for 25 years. Yes, this is our 25th year of doing it. It started shortly after Putnam County Habitat became what it is, uh, became a nonprofit organization in this area. John Clemens was a board member and Don Calcote was a potter. He just really enjoyed making ceramic bowls. They got together and they were like, we need to do something. We need to do some kind of fundraiser to help Putnam County Habitat. Uh, They both were huge fans of Cajun food. And so somehow they came up with this great idea of cooking on the square. We're going to have local businesses come in and provide the food and we'll have sponsors and we'll raise money for this great thing. And when you buy a ticket, you get one of these hand-thrown bowls. Uh, They had about 200 bowls at the event, at the first event. They ran out very quickly. And they had about 15 cook teams there. They ended up raising about $13,000 at that event, which is amazing for the first day. But to see how much that has grown in 2019, we had 65 cook teams plus 18 bake teams. We added Sweet Street about four or five years ago, where 18 teams provide baked goods and sweets, kettle corn, beignets, things like that. So that was an extra street that was added on. We now have a ton of sponsorship levels and even more ways for the community to be involved. And so it has just grown so much over the years that now that one event pays for a house all on its own. Wow. And I mean, it's pretty competitive because people, they spend a lot of time preparing for this event and making sure that their food is good. Yes. Now, do you guys have like a competition? We do, but not for the actual food. Uh, We do for the booth decorations. So we have the Gumbo Yaya Award, which is awarded to the cook team with the best booth. And it's not just decoration. It's also the whole presentation. And are you interacting with the crowd or are you just standing back spooning your food into a bowl? And then for Sweet Street, we have the King Cake Award. And yes, people are very, very competitive (laughs) and they get upset if they don't win. (laughs) Now, who is the, do you guys have like a group that's won the most titles? You know, I think it varies every year. We we have a pretty good variety, which is nice. So you don't have like a favorite. I like Okay. So the future of cooking on the square, what do you expect? I see it continuing to grow. Not too much. We we like to have it reined in a little bit. You know, we don't want to take over the whole town with cooking on the square, but just continuing the legacy of what it is. And my goal is to just keep the integrity of it in check. Uh, Make sure that it is what the community expects it to be and no less. Um, That was why we didn't have it last year was we felt like if we have this, it's not going to be to the caliber that is expected of us. So that's why we reined it in last year. And so it's just continuing the traditions that we've had. We have volunteers and we have cook teams who have been with us the entire 25 years. So just continuing with that legacy and keeping everybody, the whole community involved in this day and really just celebrating affordable home ownership and and the community coming together to make that happen. Have you guys considered any other events? Not really. No, it's a pretty big event, though. Because, um, I mean, it's so successful. You it know? is. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it seems like you guys from an organizational standpoint have the capacity to maybe do this quarter. Mm. (laughs) Um, The thing is, we have, you know, it seems like a very large organization. We have six employees. And so as far as development and communications, I'm it. We run primarily off of volunteers and we don't want to wear them out and tire them out. And so we have a very like we have a specific cooking on the square committee. We have a specific group of people that works on the Dream Builders Luncheon. Uh, We have specific people who help me with our monthly hope builders and things like that. And so that's the biggest thing is we just, 
we don't want to tire out our helpers that are not being paid anything to right. help us. You, so you only have six employees yes. and you guys are in charge of cooking on the square and building affordable housing and outsourcing windows in a supply chain nightmare. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. How many volunteers do you guys have? Hundreds. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Our houses, we have one construction coordinator and then we have seven or eight crew leaders, which are all volunteers and they are amazing. They show up two to three times a week to help us when when we're in build season. They they show up two to three times a week to help us. The rest is done by groups, teams, people who have no idea what they're doing. They just want to come in and sure. help build a house. How do you guys build a network of volunteers like that? We have a volunteer coordinator, okay. a volunteer program manager named Oliver. He is amazing at his job. I mean, his job is literally to go out and recruit volunteers and bring them to us, both regular volunteers, people who show up on a regular basis that we can continue to call, and then those who show up for team builds and and one-time events and things like that. Uh, He goes to churches and speaks to Sunday school classes. He'll set up a booth in the lobby of the church to speak to people. Um, He goes to businesses and promotes that way. We run ads in the newspaper and on Facebook and everything like that. He's just really great at networking and in getting people involved. So if I was a person and I wanted to volunteer for Habitat, where would I go? Where should I start? UCHabitat.org slash volunteer. Fantastic. Yes. Now, do you have to have any type of skills or qualifications? Absolutely not. Would you prefer that they have some type of skills or qualifications? Not really, no. Okay, great. So <laughs> it's just bring your best attitude yes. and all hands if you on have, deck. If you have a heart to help, we have a job for you to do. Now, what, what type of projects do they work on? We have volunteers that work in the restore, so they could they can process the donations. Every donation that comes in, we have to clean it, disinfect it, make sure that if it's an electronic or a lighting piece or something like that, that it works. So we have people who come in who are skilled in that area. They come in and test all of those items. We actually have a homeowner who comes in He's completely finished with his sweat equity, but he still comes in weekly and tests those items for us and even repairs some that normally we don't know what we're doing. So we would probably just throw it out if it didn't work, but he'll actually take the time to fix it so that we can sell it. We have women in their 80s who come in and process housewares. It's basically just bins full of what you would see at yard sales. And they go in, clean it up, price it, put it out on the floor for us to sell. We have administrative people helping us. So we have office volunteers. Like I said, I have people who help me with special events. Uh, We have volunteers who work on the job site, volunteers who help with landscaping. You guys are like cultivating a movement. You know, I think that's incredible. All around affordable housing. Yes. What's your favorite part of working for Habitat? It is the family mentality. We are a family. We all work together. The director of homeowner services, Lynette, she is in charge of working with the families from day one. She helps them with the application process and then walks them through the entire process up to the closing day. I mean, she's our mortgage loan originator as well. And so she helps with all the paperwork and the finances and things like that. But she can't do it all herself. I'm in development. I'm in fundraising, but I can't do it all myself. Oliver is in volunteer management, but he can't do it all. himself. So we all work together and all of our departments have to work together. Right. Like a collective. Exactly. We take care of each other, whether it's work related or personal at home, we take care of each other. And when we bring in partner families, they become part of that family. And so we have one future homeowner where she's actually the recipient of the cooking on the square house, Lynette. She's going through cancer treatments right now and she can't do her sweat equity. She phys- 
physically cannot be on the job site. So Oliver's been trying to find people to do her sweat equity for her. We have what we call a PAL. And so that is a volunteer who is familiar with Habitat. They've been with us for years. They partner with the families and just check in on them periodically. Hey, how are you doing? Do you have any questions? Is there anything you need? And Miss Lynette's PAL has been checking on her twice a week. How are your treatments going? Do you need any food? Do you need anything like that? Um, In the senior repair program, we don't just give them a new bathtub and leave. Right. We check in on them. We go and pray with them. We are actually doing a an angel tree this Christmas for our senior homeowners because sometimes we're the only person that they talk to that right. day. They're reaching out for help from us because they don't have family to help or their family doesn't have the resources to help. So it's not just about building houses and it's it's not just about repairing houses. It's about the people. Building community. Exactly. Building that community, building a sense of family with everyone. When it comes to helping seniors, this is something that's going to be exacerbated over the next 10 to 15 years. And, you know, we've got an aging population, uh, or at least we're very close to having a predominantly aging population. And 90% of seniors want to stay and age in place. Mm -hmm. And so we have to all make a commitment to improving their current home, whether it's a single family home or a duplex or, you know, a mobile home, whatever it might be. If you can just make some very small modifications, like making sure that they can enter and exit the home safely, making sure that they can use the bathroom safely, even something as simple as putting in handrails in a hallway so that they can hold on to something when they're walking down the hallway can save a senior from falling. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the cascading effects of having that type of injury. So before we end, I want to ask you, you are working on a special project of your own in Gainesboro. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because a project in Gainesboro, that should pique a lot of people's interest. <laughs> so my husband and I are working to open up a coffee shop in Gainesboro. This is a personal dream that we've had for a while. Um, I am not leaving my day job. I love my day job. This is going to be just kind of a weekend project for us. Passion project. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. We have some great people that are going to run it for us who are also passionate about it. And we're just really excited. My husband grew up in Jackson County and and we live in Jackson County now. And we just want to see growth in that community. Absolutely. And again, with the the sense of community, we have a lot of great people in that area who are supportive of this. So we're just really excited to get it off the ground. And what's it called? Haven on Hull. Okay, great. And it is where? It is at 203 East Hull Avenue. So as you come to the one red light in town, take a left and it's up on your left right before you get to the courthouse. Fantastic. So anybody that's in Gainesboro is driving into town. They no longer have to drive or make coffee at home or wait until they get to Cookville. They can just stop by the local coffee shop in downtown Gainesboro, you know, or also businesses that are operating within Gainesboro. Instead of having to drive into town and then bring back cold Starbucks Mm -hmm. coffee, they can come, you know, Take a local business right in town. Exactly. Just maybe even walk over there. I mean, it's, that's yes. awesome. All right. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Who is someone that makes you better when you're together? I would have to say my husband, even if I don't want him to make me better sometimes, um, even if I'm fighting it, we uh, we can be opposites in some aspects, but that makes us both better and want to be better because we push each other. And I love that about us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonso. 
If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv is a Costa Yepafonsiv production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsiv.com. We're better together. <laughs>